0: Welcome back, people. Welcome back. And if this isn't welcome back, if this is your first time tuning into the Homesteads and Homeschools podcast, well, I welcome you as well. If you haven't hit that subscribe button, I don't know what you are doing. Uh, Go ahead and do that. Subscribe. Subscribe so you get all these future episodes that I will be putting out, no doubt, week after week until something something terrible happens or I just decide to quit. And that'll be the end of that, I guess. But uh, for now, I don't see that day in, in the future. So hit that subscribe button, get the future shows, get the past shows that you haven't listened to and, uh, and go check them out. There's, there's some good stuff in there, little, little tidbits here and there all over the place that, uh, that you'll enjoy. You'll enjoy, no doubt. Anyway, since it's the first episode of a new year and since I, I released this podcast on, on Groundhog's Day, for those of you who took notice, I decided to have my very first guest back on. And no, we're not going to be talking about the same subject, but I decided, why not? Why not? She can cover both topics. And last time we talked about her CSA, this time we will be talking about her experience unschooling. So go back and check out the show notes. Go back and check out the very first show I did, homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash 001 and, uh, and check it out. And compare, compare how much how much I have evolved as a podcaster. Um, I'd like to think that it's grand, but uh, it's probably not. Probably not. Let's be honest. Let's be honest, folks. I probably sound the same that I did before. Anyway, today's show notes, uh, today's episode number 53. So today's show notes can be found at homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash uh, 053. I will bid you adieu as we go plant those liberty seeds with my guest, Miss Elizabeth Melton Old May Savage stayed as long as she could Her house on the hill towered over the flood It rose up alone in the dark of night its face on the water and the cold moon my guest today is uh is not new to the show um i had her back on in the very first episode and uh she's she's back again today to kick off uh, a new year i guess um miss elizabeth melton uh so thank you for coming back on i i appreciate it very much
1: i'm glad to be here
0: so last time you were on um we talked a little bit about your uh your csa and and how you kind of got into gardening and, and homesteading type stuff and, and all that business. But, uh, today I wanted to talk to you about school. Um, you, know, you uh, you got a couple of kids that, uh, you schooled. And so I was curious about that. Um, but what, so what was, what was it like, uh, for you where you grew up? Did you go to public school or like private school or were you?
1: I did go to public school. Yeah. Okay. I spent, uh, 13 miserable years there, <laughs>
0: so, yeah. <laughs> all right, were you still down here in, in Georgia at that time, or? That's correct. Okay, yes. all right. All right, so uh, 13 miserable years. I guess you didn't didn't enjoy them at all?
1: Uh, no, really, I didn't. Now, it, it's kind of ironic, because I really loved academics, and I, I liked college. I enjoyed college, Um but just the, see, I've always been kind of an anti-authoritarian person. Mm-hmm. I, think I was that way from birth. So just this idea that I had to go to this place and that I couldn't move around and that I had to study what they were telling me to study. And it, it just, just, the constraining feeling, it, it was just very, very miserable to me. And I didn't do well in the mornings either. I've never been a morning person. And the fact that I had to get up so early and go to school, I was always tired. And I noticed a remarkable difference between the summertime and how I felt in the summertime and how I felt during the school year. And I think a lot of that had to do with just the, the sleeping schedule. It just didn't work with me.
0: Yeah, I, I remember that, uh, myself to some degree in, in high school and stuff. It was just, it was awful. I, I couldn't do it. I was just not a morning person. I, I'd, you know, would feel sick in the morning if I got up, but, uh, having, having a, a colicky child that would wake up at five in the morning fixed that for me. And now I can't get out of the habit of waking up early and it's, it's rather obnoxious, but, uh, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, we're all different. Some people are definitely morning people, but from from what I understand and I'm definitely no expert, but that teenagers they do go through that period of time where they they like to stay up late and they like to sleep late and they need more rest and that there is speculation that a lot of them do struggle so much just because they're tired, because they don't get enough sleep.
0: Yeah, I think I, I remember, I want to say I remember when I was in high school, um, seeing something like that uh, that was uh, published, or maybe it was just making the rounds, I don't know, but it basically like uh, kids that age, that, that high school age, um, their circadian rhythms are sort of, out of cycle to that typical school day. You know, that's, that's not what usually right. fits. They wake up later, they go to bed a little bit later and that's just like the way of it. That's just, you know, natural causes. That's not anything to do with, you know, kids being lazy or staying up late because they want to. It's just kind of the way their, their body works. But uh, yeah, it can be tough when you're tough when you're, you're locked into a, a schedule like that. Did you find it easier when you got to college a little bit that you kind of make yeah, your schedule yeah. to a degree?
1: Right. And, just, well, for one thing, I I had really good professors, and I a lot of them that, that I really enjoyed, and you did have to take those courses that everyone needed to take those core classes, but you had so much more freedom over what you studied and what you did, and, and I just really, I liked the environment because I had more control over it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I can... Understand that, you know, uh, little, just, just that little bit of choice, um, can totally exactly. change your world, you know? I mean, you still have to do certain things, but, uh, you have, have some say.
1: Right. And the fact that the work that you're doing is meaningful to you rather than what someone else is imposing upon you.
0: Yeah. That, that ownership over it, the the necessity of it is, it's much, much bigger, much different. So. So you got you got done with that and uh is how 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 long out of college before your uh, your boys came along?
1: Well, I actually was in my late 20s when I had children and I taught school for several years before I did that high school and then I went to work in the corporate world. And then uh that's when I had children.
0: Right. So how how long did you teach public school for then?
1: Well, it was actually a private school. Okay. And it was around six or seven years.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. High school. And what were you teaching?
1: I taught humanities courses mostly. I'm a history major. And so I would do a lot of, you know, private schools are tend to uh, not have a great deal of funding always. And so you kind of fill in where you're needed, and um, I taught Spanish and and other different humanities-oriented courses.
0: Excellent. So, how was that then? Did you did you enjoy that?
1: To some degree, I enjoyed it, and I had some really good relationships with the children but when I look back on it now especially after having homeschooled my children I do have a lot of regrets because I was still part of that system that I have come to really dislike of imposing this this very rigid structure upon children this structure that for some reason we have have come to equate with success
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and that if children are, if they don't have this particular structure imposed upon them, that you are somehow neglecting them and abusing them and that this is what's best for them, even though it is something that is just so unnatural. And so in that way, I do feel that there were ways that I made a, a positive, Impact mm-hmm. on certain students' lives, but I do regret some of the times that I felt that I needed to like the certain ways that you were expected to keep them in line and keep them quiet, and and I I do regret having been part of that.
0: Yeah, I, I can I can understand with that. I can I can get with that um, for sure. It's you, know, you do. You do what works then, and, and you look back later, and it's like, wait a minute, that, that I was I was part of that, I was doing that, but uh, right, right. So, then uh, I guess so. You got out of that, you went to the corporate world, you had kids, and when did you make that decision to keep them out of school, or did they did they start public school, or
1: they actually started going to Catholic school? Okay. And I had hoped that private school would be a better option than public schools for, you know, the, the obvious issues that the public schools have. And it, it was really a struggle just taking them to school every day, keeping up with all of the work that was required of them. And like even in kindergarten, they had homework. And we would struggle sometimes 10 or 11 o'clock at night to get work done. There was no downtime. If we took a night off so that they could play soccer, that just threw the whole schedule into chaos. So I thought that I went to a part-time schedule at work, and I'm so fortunate that I was allowed to do that. But, um, yeah, I went to a part-time schedule at work, thinking that that would make things easier to keep a grip on. And it did to some degree. But I still found myself becoming more and more dissatisfied with what it was doing to them. And I didn't like what I saw happening to them because it was still that traditional school environment
0: what what were you seeing? Like, what, what's, what stuck out that you were like, that's, you know, that that's no good, I don't...
1: So, several things. For one thing, my younger son, he was basically born a ray of sunshine. He would wake up every morning singing in his crib. His <laughs> he, he was just the happiest child. And when I saw him, th- that that light that he always had, I saw it begin to dim and he really had a lot of struggles keeping up with what was expected of him because he's more of a, was more of a dreamer. And so he would go into the classroom. Like I say, they were always exhausted because they too were, were, Children, especially my older child, who he was always ten o'clock ten eleven o'clock at night before he could actually go to sleep, no matter what time he got up in the morning, so they were always tired. We had a commute of about forty five minutes, so we had to get up even earlier yeah. than than usual, and he was expected just to bounce out of the car and wind up then go in, unpack your backpack, and then they would move quickly through different activities throughout the day. So, you know, now we read, now we sit at our desks and write, now we do this next thing. And he was always, if if he were doing something that he enjoyed, well, then he didn't want to stop doing it to do something else. It was that whole transition from one activity to another. And so I would get notes every day telling me how, you know, he he didn't keep his shoes tied or he <laughs> didn't pack his backpack right or whatever. And it just started to occur to me, why am I doing this to them? And my older son also. I can remember getting a drawing home, and it had, you know, was full of red marks. Well, he had decided to color something green that was supposed to be colored orange, and, you know, he, he's a failure because he didn't master long division in third grade, even though he was excellent in reading, and it, it just it's like in many cases the focus was not on learning anyway it was on following instructions and it became very clear that they are not really concerned with what they learn with what they absorb and with what they retain it has more to do with whether they can follow instructions and do as they're told
0: yeah yeah and i think that's uh yeah, that's really true. It just, it, it is, it's, it's a matter of, can you retain enough or take this test? And to make sure that, you know, when we're passing in the hallway, that, uh, it looks a certain way. It has to, you know, has to be a certain thing. Right. And it can't look like this. We can't do this. We can't do that. It has to be this. And, uh, that takes a lot out of kids, you know? Um, a lot of kids don't, don't fit into that. Uh, mold and uh, get stuck exactly.
1: with it. Exactly and there's nothing wrong with them and I think that it's wrong to to keep making them feel as if there is something wrong with them and one of the the last straw for me was I got called to the principal's office um, one morning <laughs> I actually uh, I was in there for some other reason and she's like may I speak to you for a moment And so my son got into a great deal of trouble because he had come in from the playground and he had gotten water without permission. And so they had the children line up and go to the water fountain and some of them took longer than others. And so she's like, no, you come into the room now. And so he very quickly went and got water before he went into the room. And, I didn't actually learn the whole story. The way that they made it come across was that he was just very defiant. And actually, he was just thirsty, and he had been outside playing. And the thought that they would allow a child to sit in the classroom and be thirsty for the rest of the afternoon for the sake of conformity, I, um. Like, I, I just don't feel like I can ethically make my children continue to do this.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's a doozy, that one. And is it, it's tough, too, I think, because school's kind of, yeah, as a teacher, it almost pits you against the student, right? Like y- your well, kid wants yeah. to go get water, and now I, okay, I, I said everybody in the classroom, and now this kid asked me if he can go get water, and well, you know, am I? You got to balance your authority and and these kids, and you don't want to everybody to walk all over you, and it's just a kind of it's not a a right. good relationship, right? Um, and
1: so it comes down, it comes down to the very system.
0: Mm-hmm. There's
1: a problem with the very system of it, and. Where it creates an adversarial relationship between adults and children, because you have one adult and you have children that must be managed, and it just doesn't seem like the best solution.
0: <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. So when you uh, you pulled them out, then was there was there much hesitation in in taking them out, or did, was it?
1: Well, I had always dreamed of homeschooling children. I felt like that would be the best thing to do. I just didn't think that I could pull it off. And I still had to work. And so their their father, was he was a chef and it had a restaurant and the restaurant had closed. And so I was the one that was bringing in the income. But we managed to pull it off and had to very carefully do everything in order to, you know, make sure that we could get by on my part-time salary, but we we did it. And so, yeah, when I first pulled them out, honestly, I, I made some of the same mistakes in as far as, okay, we're going to kind of restructure a classroom here at home. And then one day when I was struggling with I can't remember what subject it was and and he was looking around and just obviously didn't want to do it and I'm like okay why why am I doing this I'm making some of the same mistakes that I have made as a teacher where when you try to force this child to learn something and then take a test on it and then that test they they pass it and then they forget it. Or, or maybe they don't even pass it. But either way, because it's not meaningful to them, it is something that is not retained. And it is a horrible waste of time, particularly when that time could be spent on things that are meaningful to them.
0: So is that is that kind of when you just... Because you ended up unschooling them, right? Uh,
1: correct. So we kind of went to a system where we every day we have to do a little math. We have to do a little reading. We have to do a little writing. Those are the the main skills that you absolutely must have. But it's not, it wasn't the structure where, okay, we're going to master fractions in a month. No, we're just going to do a few fractions every day until you have fractions. And then we will move on to the next thing that way with the repetition and with doing it for that length of time, then they will, you know, actually have it to where they can retain it.
0: Good deal. Yeah. I, we're, we're not there yet. Um, we're still kind of, I think I'd like to get a little more on the unschool side of things, but, um, we're still kind of, kind of struggling a little bit to, to make that happen and not, not entirely sure how to, uh, implement it. It's a big step. You know, it's a big step to take your kids out of school and then it's like a big step. to.
1: It, It is kind of terrifying because we have been so accustomed now to think that, okay, this is what everyone in the world, this is how children all over the world are learning. Therefore, if you do it any other way, you are, it's just going to be chaos. They're going to grow up and they're going to be, you know, they're, not going to learn anything, they're not going to know anything, and they're just going to be complete failures if they don't go through this very rigid system that we have designed. If you leave them on their own, it's just going to be complete chaos. And yeah, you you do kind of have that feeling, and I think that that's just a natural thing as human beings. For some reason, we feel the need to impose order upon everything, and it's very hard just to trust that things will will work themselves out.
0: Well, we'll see. We'll see. But uh so I'm curious you guys you, you went through it. You, you did it all. Um how did what what did it look like when they came to the end of their high school years, if you will, or whatever that you want to call it.
1: Well, one thing that we did was we got very involved with a homeschool support group. Okay. And that was a lifesaver. It was a great group. They had a lot of really good friends. And we did a lot of very healthy things. We They had a part day every Friday that we attended. And it was a very diverse group that had people from all kinds of religious backgrounds, no religion, different political views and um different walks of life. It was, it was really good. And when we would have these part days, you would have adults, you would have little tiny children, you would have teenagers. And there was just this great interaction and no one felt like in, in school where everybody is, I think Sir Ken Robinson calls it, making packages of children where you know, everyone is the same age, and you it's not cool to hang around with anybody that's younger than you are, and it's not cool to hang around the adults. And you just didn't have that. You had teenagers that they would come and sit and talk with the adults, or they would look after the little kids, and just seemed like a very wholesome thing. And then my boys, they well, so one thing, one thing that the homeschool group did is they had a team group and we would put together like chemistry labs and biology labs. We would do a different lab every year so they would have those settings. And they also had a co-op two times during the year. It was like a six-week thing where they could choose classes to take with other parents. And so they had other parents teaching them in the classes of their choice. And that was a very good experience for them. And so each of them, we kind of geared their education toward their interests. And my younger son is currently, he's an artist and he's a musician. And he taught himself how to play all of these different instruments. And he would sign up for these online workshops where they taught sound engineering. And he just became really good at what he did. So when he was 17 years old, around 17 and a half, he had all of these connections with musicians all over the place. And they would hire him to play fill and bass. And so he was about seventeen and a half and a half years old and he's like, well, I want to, this band wants me to go on tour with them. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't know about this. <laughs> but, oh, uh, after a lot of soul searching, I was like, why I, I can make him wait six months. Right? How much is more is he going to mature in between now and six months later? And then he will have missed this opportunity. So, you know, the the other guys there were a great deal older and I knew that they would, you know, have his back. So we did it. And he really, they both grew up being so very capable and so well prepared to take care of themselves. And so when he was 18 years old and he said, you know what, I'm going to drive out to Montana and join the Conservation Corps and he just got in his car and he did it and um, yeah, so he, they just are able to do things like that now, and I think when we don't give them that freedom and that responsibility, then we wonder, well why are they twenty five years old and not able to do anything well that's that's why.
0: The only thing we've taught them is how to be dependent, you know, um, and that's what that's what exactly, happens.
1: Exactly, exactly, because they can't be trusted to to do anything on their own. That's that's kind of the attitude.
0: Yeah, there's there's something there. I mean, it's that's impressive. I, I that's uh, letting them letting them go off like that. It's I I know, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. Mine's still like he's only nine, but uh, you know. Not not looking forward to that. I could see where that would be a, a scary scary moment. Yeah, but, it's uh,
1: it's not a comfortable feeling and I didn't enjoy it. But sometimes you have to do what's best for them. Yeah. And what's best for them is not always what's easiest for you. So
0: Now when you um when you were doing the unschooling thing, I know you, you had the co op and stuff like that. Did you pull information from anywhere else, any other resources, or did you just kinda use the the co-op and and, um, let your kids kind of sort it?
1: This This is a house that is absolutely filled with books. And you have so many wonderful resources like Khan Academy. So because I still did have to work, they could do their math online. And all I had to do was go out and assign them things and they could do it. And Khan Academy was set up in a way where they could, keep doing the same thing. They could have all of the repetition that they needed until they mastered something. So because we are not math people, that is the way that we we structured that is just to, to do things uh, on Count Academy until they finally got it. But there's just so much education that goes on outside of traditionally what you would think of as worksheets and books. And just, we would have, take trips, and during the trips, we would have just these long conversations about historical events, about philosophy, about things that we had read. And I think that that, those meaningful discussions, for one thing, you remember them. And there's a great deal of learning that goes on when that happens, and also, not only are you learning and teaching, you are building a relationship.
0: Yeah, it, it, that's something to be said about uh, homeschooling of of any variety. Being able to to spend that time with your kids and, and grow that relationship when. You know, and they're going off to public school, it's eight hours a day. You're, you're shipping them off for somebody else to, to take care of and to, to build relationships with. And, and you can still do it, but, you know, when I mean, you have them at home and you can be there for them. Um,
1: right. Well, and, and it's obviously whoever your greatest influence is, is going to be whoever you spend most of your time with. So we send children to school. And like we said earlier, they have this adversarial relationship with the only adults that are there because those adults are having to make them mind. And then we are so surprised when all they care about is pleasing their peers and when they don't want to have anything to do with us. Well, of course, that's the way it is, because the peers are who they are spending their time with. and. You know you want to be accepted, you want to feel like you're part of a tribe, and your tribe becomes your classmates instead of your family
0: yeah yeah it's 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 sad it's it's something to you think about like what we said earlier about um you know mixed mixed age groups and how much value is really there uh when you are able to communicate with people older older than you and younger than you um you know exactly. and they, they have so much exactly. more to share than somebody else that's the same age and you're just surrounded by all these every, uh, you know, everything's the same. Um, so uh, I, I'm kind of curious. Um, so what was that like then when you, when you were working and they were, when you were just kind of starting out with the, with the homeschooling, how did you make that happen? How did you make that work in times of in terms of, um, time and, and childcare and,
1: we had a very flexible schedule, and like I said, that their father at the time, was um, he was out of work, and so they would spend time in the mornings, they were supervised, and at this point, by the time I took them out, they were in second and fourth grade, so they were like seven and nine, and then they spent a great deal of time with my mother, too, so I would drop them off and they would be with her for, you know, those morning hours. And then there are times when, when they were with their father that they would sleep late. I would, by the time they would get up, I would be halfway finished with work and ready to come home. And I really and truly was very fortunate that my company allowed me to do that. And the type of work that I did I was able. It really didn't matter when I was there, it just as long as I got the work done. And and I realized that not everyone is fortunate enough to do that. But
0: it's it's inter- it's an interesting thing, I think, because um, for a lot of us, you know, we just it's kind of the typical. Well, one parent can stay home and and uh, work with the kids, and and that's how it goes. But I've talked to a few people that are kind of, you know, it. it wasn't that traditional sort of one home and one off at work. It's just, it's interesting to see how it works and, and to know that if you're, if you're committed, um, it can happen. You can do it, you know, you might have to wiggle some things and.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And there can be any combination. I remember one of my literature professors, She had had a baby later in life, and I think she was like in her mid-40s, and her husband was a professor, too, so she would teach in the morning and then go home, and he would teach in the afternoon. Someone was always there with the child, and then they still were able to spend the evening together, and you have to make sacrifices. You have to make choices. And so we were never able to afford to do a lot of things like on cruises and, (laughs) you know, amusement parks and things like that on a regular basis. Some people do that two or three times a year. And we might do it, you know, once every three or four. But those are just choices that everyone has to make. And I am certainly not in a position to judge anyone else that makes different choices, but I do wish that more people realized that they have a choice, and I hear people that talk about how scared they are for their children, and they worry about them meeting with violence, and I hear people talk about how their children are just in misery because they're being bullied, or in the school wasn't doing anything about it. And I'm, I'm thinking you do have choices and if you, you have to recognize and you have to acknowledge that those, if you're sending them in those circumstances, that's your decision to make as a parent, but you are making that choice.
0: (laughs) it's a it's a tough one you know cuz that 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 paradigm is just so entrenched on us i think it's just driven home from the moment we step foot into you know kindergarten as as children um you know this is this is the way it goes and this is the only way it goes and you know anything else is uh weird strange and you know forbidden can't can't do that
1: uh, right <laughs> right and him i look at my children and they have done a lot of things that are different from what people traditionally do. They have done things like gone off in in the Conservation Corps and gone on band tours and had adventures and have taken a little longer before they decided, okay, this is what I think I really want to do. But at the same time, they didn't get stuck doing one thing and realize that they weren't happy in it. And we approach education as something, this is not something that starts when you're five years old and ends when you're 18. This is a lifelong process. And if there's something that you didn't get in those first 12 years, well, guess what? It's never too late to learn anything that you want to learn. And I think that we also need to get out of that mindset that learning can only happen in a classroom, and that you are at a point of a point of no return. If for some reason you manage to graduate, and there's something that you didn't get along the way,
0: <laughs> you imagine that <laughs> learning was done at 18. You know, that's it. Forget it. You're done now. Be crazy, it is. It's every every time we you know you go out in the woods with the kids, you go for a walk, you go do something. There's always always things to learn about, always things to to talk about. Just gotta.
1: Oh, and, and having a it. garden that was the biggest, uh, the most wonderful thing. You learn so much from a garden. Mm-hmm. And even the the schools that have gardens. Okay, each child gets to spend you know what twenty minutes. And if it's that, not the same.
0: yeah, yeah, yep. Yep. I hear you. I hear you. Well, um, I don't know. Any, any last, last thoughts or anything? I don't know. anything we kind of want to say,
1: well, like I said, there are so many ways, so many different ways to educate a child and homeschooling is an option. Unschooling is an option. Private and public schools, but I think that the way it, I think that public education could work too. If we must have public education, then we definitely need to go about it in a different way rather than cramming these huge numbers of children into these huge buildings that look more like prisons, these institutional looking buildings that. We should have small community schools that have more parental involvement rather than an administration from the top that dictates what everyone across the board is going to do. There are ways. If parents can't stay home with their children all day, there still are other ways if we just think outside the box and allow more flexibility, allow to address the needs of the individual child rather than imposing upon them a standard that is developed for no other reason than because it's convenient and we feel like we need a standard. There's really no basis in reality for that.
0: Even as we, Homeschool our kids. I feel like that sometimes. Like I, I want a standard. I need a standard so I know where my kid is. And it's just what, what for? You know, what for? Where does that land us? Well, the uh,
1: the idea that by sixth grade they need to be proficient with exponents that is just entirely (laughs) a random standard that is necessary because they have groups of children and they need to know what the teacher is going to be teaching on a certain day and at a certain level. And that is just how they randomly impose those standards it has nothing to do with, with whether a child should be doing that at that particular age, because they're individuals. They're all different and they have different gifts and different strengths, And we're not acknowledging that. And, we're not helping them
0: to to thrive. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a big failure when you think about that. You know, just they all have to learn the same thing at the same time. Just not going to work. It's never going to work. But uh, anyway, I, I appreciate your time. I thank you for coming back on. And um,
1: thank you so much for having
0: me. Not a problem. Not a problem. I know you had that. You still have the Facebook group there. Um, anything else? You I don't know social media stuff you want to share or anything websites well I have
1: the I have the homesteaders group the Valley Homesteaders I also have a a libertarian discussion group called Liberty in the Valley okay and so yeah anyone that's interested in those kinds of topics
0: is welcome to join good deal I'll put those in the the show notes again that's uh those are a, a couple of my favorite groups I, they're good groups to be in and uh lots of fun stuff gets posted in there and that's uh so anyway uh, yeah uh, i appreciate it thanks for thanks nice for coming on My first repeat guest, it was beautiful, wasn't it? Uh, Elizabeth is great. I, I love her. She's a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, I've not had the chance to meet her yet, but I, I foresee it sometime soon in the in the near future. Um, she doesn't live too far away from me, so it would only make sense. But uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope you enjoy my little chats about uh, homeschooling um, and unschooling, and I hope that it expands your horizons a little bit. Um, there's lots of Lots of ideas out there for us to contemplate. If you're not taking in new information, you're not learning. You're, you're not growing and life is all about growth. So I hope, I hope I help you grow in some way, in some way. Like I said at the top of the show, go hit that subscribe button. Leave me a five star review or four or three or whatever you see fit. Go, go and do that on iTunes or whatever podcatcher. You listen to. If you really want to help me out, go to homesteads and homeschools.com slash Amazon, click the link, it will forward you through to Amazon. That's the affiliate link. I'll get a little kickback, and those those dollars, those cents, they add up. They add up and it uh helps to deflect some of the cost of uh of running this this bad boy. You can always go over to Patreon as well, patreon.com slash the Liberty Hippie, and uh sign up that way. You get some bonus content there, you get some seeds, some stickers. Uh who knows what else? I might uh might have some goodies in there. I don't know. Some merchandise, t shirts, hats, bags, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If you have any ideas for the show, future guests, future topics you want to see covered, please let me know. Uh I love when people reach out and tell me what they think or what they want to hear. It uh it it spurs me on. It spurs me on. And you can let me know by emailing me, homesteadsandhomeschools at gmail dot com, or you can go to Facebook and uh send a message to the page or the group homestead at homeschool forum we can go to today's show notes homesteads and slash053 click the link to the discord server and uh, hit me up in there I, I've already got one topic coming from out of there maybe maybe even more I think Anyway, guys uh, I appreciate all that you do listening listening to this show it encourages me to to continue doing what I am doing come back on Thursday. When I will have a little update about some things happening around the the homestead, I'm not sure how much homeschooling I will be updating on, but the homestead for sure. Uh, we got some some new happenings, new happenings. Uh, I will share with you all about that. Anyway, guys, uh, I appreciate it. Again, get out there, sow those seeds of liberty, and we can all reap sheaves of freedom together. <laughs>